You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning, church. I'm going to try that again in the room. Good morning, church. Good morning, and good morning to all of you that are tuning in at home or wherever you're watching from this morning. It's such a privilege to be sharing the Word of God this morning. And if you were with us last weekend, we had such an amazing time in our Good Friday and Easter Sunday services, reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us on the cross and his victory over sin and death. And this morning, I wanted to take the opportunity to build on this focus. So we're going to get right into it. If you've got a Bible or device with you, why don't you turn with me to Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. And if you don't, not to worry, the verses will also come up on the screen behind me and for you guys at home. We're going to read some words that will be quite familiar to most of us, I'm sure. And some words that Pastor Esther actually brought us to about a month ago. But as I prepare today, I believe that the Lord wanted us to revisit them. So we're going to look at them again today. So I'm going to read from the screen. Oh, the screen's a bit small. I'm going to read from my tablet here, and I'm going to encourage you to read at home and in the room along with me. We We can read it out together. So I'll lead us in with therefore, and why don't you jump in and read with me? Let's go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow. Amen. Such powerful words here from Paul telling us that we can be transformed to understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And these words become even more significant and important for us when we consider the entirety of Romans. Romans is an incredible letter that helped the church in Rome and helps us as followers today, followers of Jesus today, not only grow in our understanding of the finished work of Jesus, but also teaches us how to behave as those that are saved by him. Chapters 1 to 11 focus on the sacrifice Jesus has made for us on a cross, the freedom, the righteousness, the adoption, the life through the Spirit that we now have access to. And the final chapters, chapters 12 to 16, focus practically on how to live in light of this. So let me read Paul's words in Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, we understand that this mercy that Paul is speaking of is what he's unpacked in the previous chapters. He's speaking of God's mercy to send his son to die the death that we should have died. He's speaking of God's mercy to give us freedom from the power of sin and death. He's speaking of God's mercy to make us righteous, though undeserving. He's speaking of God's mercy to adopt us as children of God. 
sons and daughters of God. This is the mercy that Paul is speaking of. And this is the mercy encourages us to keep in mind as we consider how to live our lives as followers of Jesus. And this guidance and instruction from Paul isn't meant to restrict us or to limit us, but it's for our good, it's for our betterment, it's to bring us freedom. And if we're finding this limiting or restricting, maybe we need to take some more time to consider this great mercy. Maybe we need to take some time to sit and reflect on the truths in Romans 1 to 11 and reflect on the love and the mercy that God has poured out on us. So for my time today, Romans 12 is so deep, but I want to focus on verse 2. But I would certainly encourage us to all go away and read Romans 12 in its entirety. It's full of such wisdom and life-giving truths to receive and apply. So as we looked at before, the verses will come up on the screen again. Verse 2 reads, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul encourages us here not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does Paul mean here by renewing? Well, the original Greek word for renewing here is anakinosis. If anybody's Greek in the house, I tried. This means a renovation, a complete change for the better. And we know this is a work done by the Holy Spirit because the only other time we see the same word used in the New Testament is in Titus 3.5 where it's made clear this renewal is a work of the Spirit of God. So we know this renovating, renewing work in our minds can only be carried out by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And He does this in us as we walk with the Lord daily through the truth of the word of God, through conviction, through worship, through community. As 2 Corinthians 3, 18 helps us understand, as we do things that help us behold and reflect on the glory of the Lord, he transforms us and renews us. But for today, I'm going to focus specifically on the transforming work that takes place when we allow God's word to renew our minds. So for those who are taking notes, the title of my message today is Let God's Word Transform You. Why don't we say that together? Wonderful. We're still awake. Let's try again. Let transform you. Yes, let God's Word transform you. I'm simply going to draw out three things that take place when we allow God's Word to transform us and renew us. So firstly, when we allow God's word to transform us, we are sanctified. We are sanctified. In other words, we are made holy. We are set apart for God. We are purified by his truth. In John 17, verse 17, we see Jesus speak into this. As he's praying to the Father for the disciples, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And this is his heart for us too as his followers, that by the truth of God's word, we will grow in holiness 
and purity. And we will change for the better. That as we read and reflect on Scripture, it would have a cleansing effect on our hearts and our minds. But this cleansing work is only made possible through relationship with the Holy Spirit. He helps us to see with sober minds how we look. He helps convict us of our sin. He helps us to understand the wonder of God that we would otherwise not be able to see. He helps us to not just read the words on a page, but to apply it to our day-to-day lives. He helps us to become more like Jesus. This is the work the Holy Spirit does within us. So when we sit with the truth of the Word of God, and we invite in the Spirit of truth to teach it to us, we are sanctified and set apart. For myself, I thank God for His continued sanctifying work in my life. I've come to learn that I can be quite an annoying guy to live with. I'm sure my wife could vouch for this. And I remember there was a time where me and my wife, Precious, had a disagreement, I'll say. I honestly don't remember what it was about, but I was probably at fault, although I didn't feel that way at the time. And I remember getting annoyed and thinking, what's wrong with her? Why didn't she listen? She's so frustrating. She never understands Ah, my days. But you know what? I left and I thought, I'll wait for her to see the error of her ways. She'll understand in time. So I left it there. And I just so happened to be looking at the book of James at this time. And if anyone has studied the book of James, you may know where this is going to go. So yeah, I'm in the book of James. I'm having a great time in the Word, enjoying life, and then bang, I come across James 1, verses 19 to 20. I'm going to read it for us. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And if I'm honest, on first read, I was like, yeah, Precious should read this. This is good. She should read this. She, she will see the light when she reads this. This one's for her. And then within seconds, the Holy Spirit just humbled me. It was clear to me that these words were for me. But how interesting is it that often when we read Scripture and it's corrective, we often will think of people that need to hear when really it's us that need to hear. <laughs> and I now look back on our conversation and I could see it with a sober mind. I could see my actions clearly. In our disagreement, I wouldn't let precious talk. So I certainly wasn't quick to listen. I spoke as soon as I thought I had something valuable to say. So I certainly wasn't slow to speak. And I got heated quickly. It didn't take me very long to become annoyed. So I certainly wasn't slow to become angry. When I realized all of this, I understood I had to apologize to Precious. I had to do what was right before God. Church, this was the Lord sanctifying me through his word. Renewing and purifying my mind. Taking me from a selfish perspective and restoring and changing me 
to have a humble and repentful perspective. And that wasn't the last time I acted out of tone with Precious. I'm sure she'll be able to confirm such. And there'll be other times. But as I continue to intentionally renew my mind with God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to transform me with God's truth, the Lord will sanctify me and help me to respond in a holier and a more pleasing way before him. And though this is quite a specific example for me, it helps remind us and show us the sanctifying work of the word of God and the regularity in which we need it. It's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's not a one-time renewal. Paul's not calling us just to renew our minds and be sanctified the one time, but he calls us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is continuous. It's ongoing. So as those redeemed, as those who understand the mercy that God has shown us, we must be intentional to spend a regular time in the word of God and allow it to sanctify us. Secondly, when we allow God's word to transform us, we are able to resist the desire to conform. This is a bit of a long one, but why don't you say it with me? We are able to resist the desire to conform. If we go back to the start of verse 2, we can see Paul saying, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And by pattern of this world, he simply means culture in our world that is contrary to God and his ways. The original Greek word for conform here, my Greek family, wherever you're watching, have grace for me again, please. Sus kematizo. This means to conform or to fashion oneself to another's pattern. So this instruction not to conform to the pattern of this world means that as children of God, we should not, we should not succumb to the culture and behavior that the world has that goes against God. But instead, renew our minds with his transforming truth. It's his transforming and sanctifying truth that will enable us to see the false ideologies and erroneous patterns of the world around us. As 2 Timothy 3 tells us, the truth of Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness. So it's his word that guides us and helps us to see the right way to go. It's his word that helps us to understand we don't need to follow the way of the world. And I remember for me, this became very real in my latter days of university. Before I truly started following Jesus, a big part of my uni experience was going to house parties where, if I'm honest, all sorts of ungodly behavior was going on. But as I came to know the law for myself, as I got stuck in community, as I began to reflect on the truth of Scripture, it became clear to me that the ways in which I was living, the things I was formerly involved in before I came to know the Lord, no longer fit in with God's desire for my life. And one of these things, one of these negative influences were the places and spaces that I'd often find myself in, like house parties. And I, I can recall there was one weekend where there was quite a few house, house parties likely to be happening. 
And I remember convincing myself, it's cool. I'm not going. I know this place isn't good for me. I'm just going to stay at home and I'm going to mind my business. As I'm sure you guessed, I didn't stay at home. I didn't mind my business. I went to the party, one of the parties with one of my housemates. And even as I was getting ready, I could just sense the Holy Spirit impressing God's truth on my heart. That it wasn't a place for me to be, that I shouldn't be going. That I should set my mind on things above and not on earthly things. That I shouldn't be in such spaces. But I tried to ignore these prompts and I went ahead anyway. So it was only a five or so minute walk from my accommodation. So I was there with my housemates before I knew it. And I remember walking in and instantly I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. I remember just looking, up, looking around and being taken aback by what I was seeing. Nothing had necessarily changed about the environment, but something had changed inside of me. Over the last several months, I'd been reading and reflecting on the Word of God personally. I'd, I'd been reading and reflecting in community, and I'd been reading and reflecting in church on Sundays as the word of God was being preached and the Holy Spirit was opening my eyes to the truth. So now when I step back into these spaces that were once the norm for me, I could see them for what they were. Darkness. And the words in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 that say, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with a darkness became so apt to me. And it was this truth and the many truths of the word that I was exposed to that allowed me to resist the desire to stay in that house party any longer. Despite how my housemates might feel, despite how it might look, I knew I had to leave. And within about 90 seconds of getting there, I was gone. I headed back home. And I was still growing and still surrendering, so there was some resistance for sure on my end. It took me actually going to the party itself. But through the understanding of God's truth and through the help of the Holy Spirit, I was able to resist continuing to conform. And that was the last time I ever allowed myself to be in such an environment. And that's one of the pressures I faced with resisting the desire to conform to the patterns of this world. But for you, it might be resisting the desire to not join in with ungodly talk or chatter with your friends or with your colleagues, or resisting desire to watch the latest TV show that everyone's watching that you know goes against God's principles and standards. These are just a couple of things that if we're following the pattern of the world, it becomes harder to resist. But if we're coming before the Word of God and allowing it to transform us, we are able to willfully resist through the help of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, when we allow God's Word to transform us, we are blessed. By a show of hands in the room, who would like to be blessed? I thought so. By a show of hands at home, who would like to be blessed? I'm going to assume that most of you are raising your hands right now. Because we'd all like to be blessed, right? The Bible teaches us from the Old Testament to the New that 
Being blessed by God means to be favored, to be a partaker of the goodness of God. If we look again at verse 2, it tells us that when we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't know about you, but I deem those who understand the will of God to be blessed. I deem those who can discern and approve what the will of the creator of the universe to be those that are blessed. Psalm 1, such a beautiful psalm, helps us to understand this beautiful truth even more. Verses 1 to 3 say this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in a company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Wow, what a beautiful promise. If you've not read Psalm 1 before or not for a while, I definitely encourage you to go and take time just to reflect on that beautiful truth. That those who delight in the law of the Lord or in the word of God and meditate on it day and night are blessed. They are fruitful. They are prosperous. This is, a, this is amazing stuff to hear, guys. That this is our portion when we sit and meditate with the word of God. And we allow it to transform us and renew us. We are sanctified. We are able to resist the desire to conform. And we are blessed. What amazing truths to behold this morning, church. And this is God's heart for you and for me as his children. But we have our part to play. We have to take initiative. We have to prioritize the word of God. Worship team, would you join me? Thank you. And this will look different for different ones of us. Maybe you're new to this or have never really got into God's word and a devotional that you can follow along with might be helpful for you. If so, you can go to the resource section on our church website and there's some great devotionals that you can get stuck into that will help you to grow accustomed to reading the word of God. Or maybe the issue for you is that you need to find a consistent time, an uninterrupted time to sit with the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to go to work in you. Or maybe you try to spend time in the word, but maybe you've struggled to understand some aspects of it. So you become discouraged. Or if that's the case for you, maybe a study Bible, such as the Life Application Study Bible would be helpful for you, which has extra resources and commentaries and character studies that will help to give you further understanding and context to what you're reading. Wherever we're at, church, the truth is that we all need the Word of God. We all need its transforming power in our lives. It's to our souls what food is to our bodies. Jesus teaches us that we cannot live, live on food alone, on bread alone, but we need the Word of God. So as I close 
I like to pray for us. And I like to pray in the vein of some powerful words in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27 by Jesus, spoken by Jesus. That we wouldn't only hear the word of God, but that we put it into practice. If it's okay, if we could have the words on the screen, I'm going to read them for us and then pray. So whether you're in the room or at home, if you'd like to be transformed by the word of God, or you'd like to continue to be transformed by the word of God, I'm going to encourage you to stand as I read these words and I pray for us. I'll read it for us and you can follow along the screen. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible mercy. We thank you for your matchless sacrifice for us on the cross. We thank you for what it's won for us. We thank you that we now stand as those that are redeemed, those that are set free. We thank you that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we have now become children of the Most High God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that it's through the understanding of this mercy, this great mercy that you poured out for us, Lord, that we can willfully choose to live according to your word, according to your ways. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, those that are standing in the room and those that may be standing at home. And I pray, Father God, that we will be those that would understand your word. We know it, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would teach it to us. But Lord, that we wouldn't only know it, but we would put it into practice. That we would have a face to our faith, Lord God. That we would be those that people would see and see us living out the living word of God, Lord. We pray for your help in this. Holy Spirit, we pray where there may be desire lacking, where we may have run dry in our desire to run after you, we pray that you'd fill us up again in the name of Jesus. We pray that you'd give us such a fresh and a renewed hunger to understand and to reflect on your word. So Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord God, that you would help us in this journey, that we would lean on you and not on our own strength, that would not become religious exercise, but Lord, it would become our very delight. Help us in this, we pray. Holy Spirit, we know we cannot do it without you. We know you are the one who renews our minds. So we welcome you in into our hearts to come and have your way. We thank you. We love you. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.